then it's time of response. You've got to measure that. That makes all the difference in the world. There's lots of studies out there, but just at a high level, when somebody fills out a form on your website requesting information or signing up for your free trial or whatever, if you call them in the first 15 minutes, your odds of success are like over 80%. But if you wait 30 minutes, they're less than 10%. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 148. Our guest today is Craig Klein, founder and CEO of Sales Nexus. Craig is a member of the Forbes Agency Council where he's also a contributing writer. He has written several books on sales, marketing, along with many industry magazine media. Good afternoon, Craig, and welcome to Business Owners Radio. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on here, and uh, I'm really excited to talk. Uh, It's going to be a great day today because I get to hear myself use my own name in the show. So it's really great. (laughs) A lot of Craigs today. So tell us a little bit about what events in your career brought you to the creation of Sales Nexus. Well, it's a long story, but the short version is, you know, I started in sales back when I was pretty young, just a few years out of college and was lucky enough to work for a couple of people that were really good and really had worked out their own on paper types of organization systems to just kind of stay focused and make sure they did the follow-ups and all the blocking and tackling, right? And not too long after that, I got to using ACT, which, you know, way back when was kind of the market dominator in the sales automation space. You're really dating there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, It was a long time ago, but I loved it. You know, it was awesome. It really did its job well. And then advanced in my career, became a sales leader, was hiring and firing and managing salespeople. And long story short, ended up working for a company that acquired a competitor And so I inherited all these salespeople that were far flung and working from home all over the country. And at that point, ACT really just didn't cut it for us because this is kind of the early days of the internet and making things talk to each other over the internet was not easy. So we switched from ACT to Salesforce back when Salesforce was like brand new. It had been around for six months or something. It was great in the sense that everything was real time and connected, right? With all my people everywhere, but it just didn't work the way ACT worked. It wasn't easy for a salesperson and we had a lot of struggles with it. So then the company I worked for at the time was acquired and I had a little bit of a windfall as a result of that. And I decided, you know what? I can do this better. So that's when we started Sales Nexus. Our vision was to create a tool that was great for salespeople to use, that they liked using, but that also was on the internet and allowed them to do things in real time in the cloud and so on. That was a major investment, I'm sure, starting from scratch. Tell us a little bit of how you weave the enterprise CRM together with the marketing. I notice you have both pieces. It's a great question. So that wasn't really our initial vision, but as a small growing business ourselves, we quickly realized that Marketing automation was an essential piece of the puzzle and trying to use a separate system and somehow bolt it onto your CRM or your sales tool 
it was hard and it just didn't let you do some things that we thought were important. So we just decided, let's try and build this ourselves for our own reasons, right? It wasn't even initially a plan of making it a product, but man, it worked so well. We decided, okay, well, our customers need to take advantage of this too. And basically what I mean by all that is just as salespeople, we talk to lots of prospects every day and we get a lot more no's than we get yeses, you know, in most businesses. And the people that say no, they're not really saying, go away, I don't want to ever do business with you, right? They're saying more like, well, now's not a good time. You know, our budget comes up at the end of the year or boss is on vacation or whatever, right? And so if you just stay in touch with them, you have a pretty good shot of getting some business in the future if you've done a good job of establishing a relationship with them. In today's world, doing that just over the phone it just slows your team down too much, right? So you need to be able to just automatically go, okay, this guy said no, so put him on my automated email drip. And when you have a sales CRM and a marketing automation that's two separate systems, just doing that is slow and a pain. And then if that person six months from now is getting your emails and suddenly they end up on your website and they're showing some interest, making sure that salesperson knows about it that's almost impossible when you're using two different systems. And so that's what we have ended up evolving to with Sales Nexus. And like I said before, it works every time it's tried. It's really not rocket science when you think about it from just marketing principles. It's all about the number of touches with the customer and it's all about just staying top of mind. And that's what this lets you do and it makes it easy. I recall coming into Salesforce and you could see the potential, but I agree with you about the pain levels back then. And, and even today, it's a very large product and challenging to get everybody on board. And, and heaven forbid you want to change something or customize something, right. it's going to cost a fortune. Yeah. Tell me about the sales and marketing team's experience with your solution. It's a great point that you just made. And, you know, it's a great tool. And what I always say is, if you're a $100 million business and you've got five IT people and 10 marketing folks and you can allocate internal resources to babysitting all this technology for you, then you can make it work. You really can. But it kind of takes that level of investment, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And so that's our thing is we work with smaller businesses, medium-sized businesses, sales teams that are five or 10 or 50 people. A company like that typically does not have that IT staff or marketing staff to sit around playing with technology every day. They're all wearing 10 different hats themselves. And so what we try to do is just when we're adding capabilities to the system, we always prioritize and optimize for, is this going to make it faster for the salesperson to do what they're doing? Because that's the name of the game. If we keep it easy for them to do their thing, everything else flows from that. And when you're working with these different businesses, Craig, what kinds of things are you noticing right now that people are doing wrong? I would say fundamentally, number one, the biggest mistake you could call it is just not nurturing their leads. Where I see it hit a business owner over the head most often is when they first start to do some digital marketing, right? You're investing in SEO or you're starting to invest in some Google AdWords or something like that, but you got leads coming through your website. And anybody that's done that knows that you get a lot of bad leads and you kind of have to have a way to triage them and figure out which ones are the good ones and focus on those guys. 
you get a lot of people that are just looking for info. They're not in any way, shape or form ready to buy. So you're spending all this money and time generating leads through your website and your salespeople do their magic with the leads. But if they don't stay in touch with all of them, they're just leaving so much money on the table, right? So just a simple campaign that says, okay, sales guy, talk to them and you know, they're not a decision maker or they don't have a budget yet. Call them back in a year. Something that just keeps in touch with them, just keeps your brand in front of them. It works every time it's tried and so few businesses do it. Another good example is like people that really do a lot of referrals. You know, they do a lot of networking and a lot of their business comes from referrals. Same thing. A lot of times you get a lot of bad referrals. Somebody that maybe might someday buy what you're selling, but today's not a good day for them when you get introduced to them. And so you need a good way to stay in touch with them without it having to be a phone call once a month. You just need an automated way to do that. So just doing that, putting a lead nurturing program in place, which is relatively simple. It doesn't take a big investment of time or money. Usually what we see is within four to six months, you'll see a 10 to 20% increase in sales just by doing that. And you think that's just due to this being able to automatically send out these drips and keep in touch with people? Yeah, exactly. Because again, they said no today for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't have any money today or they were in a bad mood, but things change and whatever was driving them to talk to you in the first place, it's still a problem for them. And four months from now, they get one of your emails and they click and they go to your website and our system's going to alert the sales rep and say, hey, these people are on your site again. You should call them right now. So when you connect with them at that moment, when they're basically raising their hand and saying, I'm interested, it works like a charm. And do you have a feel for conversions in terms of, well, first, just sort of click rates, because I'm pretty cynical about this because myself, I'm the worst kind of customer, right? right. So I, I have my email locked down with 30 different filters. Yeah. I mean, by the time I actually see something in my inbox, there's an 80% chance that it's something I actually want to look at. So right. yeah, I get all those drips and they all just go to a, a black hole that I just don't look at. So what's your feel for that in the marketplace for those of us that are a little cynical about email? Right. Yeah. That's a great way to say it too. Cause what you're making me think of is like, I'm terrible about mail, right? You do not want to put me on your direct mail campaign because well, I literally go to the mailbox and anything that doesn't look like it came from my bank or my accountant or the IRS or, you know, it's a card from a friend or something. I don't even look at it. I stick it in the garbage can immediately. Right. I am with you. That stuff doesn't even make it into my house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's kind of the same as what you're describing with email. And in spite of that, with direct mail, that business has been around for a long time and people get a pretty consistent return rate. So there's some people that are never going to see it, but there's some people that always look at that stuff. And it's the same thing with email. And I would say that it's about targeting your customer's pain, right? And that's what we really try to teach our customers when they're writing emails. You know, what we've gotten good at over the last 10 years is helping people that have never done this before write a good email that's going to get results. And when they do that, if you're in the insurance business, let's say, when you sell homeowner's insurance, then your subject line needs to target the problem that your customers have, which could be cost or it could be service or whatever, right? So having trouble getting service from your homeowner's insurance agency, right? You put that in the subject line and 
Sure, most people are not having trouble like that. But the ones that are, are going to look at that email and they're going to click and go to your website and that's a lead. That's your salespeople picking up the phone. So, so you don't get real good percentages. The benchmark is 10 to 20% open rate, meaning I looked at it, right? And then 1% to 2% click rate. So that means I clicked on something in the email and I went to your website or downloaded your PDF or watched your video or whatever. So you got to have a pretty decent sized list. If you don't have a couple thousand people on your list, then it's tough to really do anything meaningful. In most instances, a sales team is going through hundreds of leads every month. They're networking. They got leads coming in from the website, whatever they're doing, cold calls, And so in just a few months, if all you do is take the leads that you're already cycling through and just put them in the hopper, in a few months, you're in the thousands of leads. So for those of us that don't really know exactly what a drip campaign is, maybe we've heard this term before. Could you kind of give us an overview of that? Sure. Yeah. It's just an ongoing series of messages. Could be, for instance, if you come to our website and you sign up for a free trial, then you're going to go on a drip campaign. And it's going to have a series of messages designed to get you into a training session featuring different messages, featuring different functionalities that we think are important for you to try out with helpful videos and tips and things like that. That's one example. An example more like what we've been talking about is an ongoing series of messages where each message targets a different pain that your customers are probably having and makes them need your product. So you don't want to try to be everything in every email. Like you don't want your email to say, here's all of the ways we can help you. What you want to say is, if you have this very specific problem right now, then man, you got to get on the phone with us because we can help. And I imagine that over time, you're also testing those different value propositions to see, hey, it turns out we get a higher percentage for this kind of problem. Exactly. That is such a great point because that's the magic of email marketing is it's so measurable and it's so affordable to test and measure. You know, the incremental cost of sending another email with a slightly different subject line and a slightly different message inside of it is almost nothing. So you can do a lot of testing and really get things dialed in quickly. And what are the kinds of things that make up a really good drip campaign? Well, it's got to be helpful content. It's like we talked about, if you have this problem, then here's some helpful tips. So we all see that now, right? It's pretty common, right? You get a lot of emails that say five tips to improve your bottom line or five ways to reduce your tax bill this year and things like that. That's the basic structure that you want to shoot for. Now, the thing that we always preach, because most small businesses When they hear that in their mind, they're thinking, oh my God, you mean you want me to go lock myself in a hotel room this weekend and write some kind of white paper or something like that? I can't do that. I'm not good at that. You know, it's kind of overwhelming. And really, it doesn't have to be anything like that. It can just be a simple half a page blog post that just has some helpful tips. Again, if people have that problem, then you're an expert in that field. So you have a lot to share that will be helpful to them. And you just want to make that easy for them to get. And what you're doing with each of those messages is just establishing your company and yourself as an expert. And you're also building a reputation with them 
that you're not just trying to sell them, you're trying to help them so that whether they respond to the first email or they wait for two years before they finally click on one of them, you've established yourself as the brand that really wants to help. And Craig, when a business owner is looking at either migrating from their current CRM or implementing a new one or going to a better system in this case, what should they expect in the implementation process in working with SalesNexus as an example? Yeah, that's a good question. That's really, to me, where so many companies go wrong. The stat that we've all heard over the years is that 50% of CRMs fail to meet the expectations of management at the outset, which is kind of scary. Makes you want to think twice about making that kind of investment. And more importantly, it makes you want to think twice about disrupting your current processes and things to implement some new technology. So it's not that the other tools out there don't do what they need to do. They do. There's a lot of great tools out there. It's that putting them in place for a given business and making them work in that business is just not easy. And unfortunately, the way most businesses in our industry, most CRM businesses are structured, there's kind of the software business that you subscribe to and they sort of hand you the keys and say, here you go, you can drive off the lot. Oh, you don't know how to drive or you don't know how to configure this car the way you want? Well, then we're going to put you in touch with a consultant who's going to come to your office and start charging you by the hour, kind of like a lawyer, and help you get it all right. That's okay, but it gets costly. It's also more complex right now. you got two different vendors to deal with. And if you're not an expert in all this stuff, that can be a little overwhelming. And sometimes you need more than one consultant if you need training from one person, but you need some integration work from another person. So it gets a little complex and you end up with the consultant driving the process because the business owner, the sales manager, they're busy just trying to do business and they're not experts. So what we find is that whole process is just kind of broken and people end up with these sort of half-baked solutions. It's not that the technology is bad. It's just that cake didn't get baked the right way for that business. So that's where we're very different. We do all of that ourselves. We do it for our clients. We don't farm it out to other consultants. And what that means is we're just getting way closer to each and every customer and learning about their unique needs and our team's helping them set it up. And if somewhere along the way, some requirement comes up where they need to make our system talk to some backend database that they've been using for 10 years, that's totally homegrown or something like that. And we need to pull in one of our developers to make it work. Well, we can do that. And it's just not going to be a $10,000 engagement, right? It's just a couple hours of a developer's time. So we're just able to help our customers get that last mile in place in terms of customizing it for their unique business, you know, and that's really the magic to me. It doesn't matter what your business is, your competitors probably do things from an outsider's perspective very similarly to you. But when you're talking to your customers, you're spending a lot of time emphasizing how you're different from your competitors. And if your CRM doesn't help you do that and it doesn't measure things based on those differences, then you're really not all the way there. That's really the key. I don't want just a dashboard of how many calls got made, but if I focus on companies of a certain size 
and my competitors tend to focus on a different size, then I want to know how many calls and conversations and proposals did we have with companies that are in our sweet spot. And for every business, that's a little bit different. And so your CRM needs to reflect that. That's some great insight. I really understand where you're coming from on that because I've been through the other side with corporations really putting amazing funds to customize something that really is not totally baked yet. And every company is different. So to have you aligning yourselves directly with the product and the client sounds like a win-win for both sides. One of the things you mentioned is measurement. And I know you have a number of books and I've read a couple articles you've done. And one of the things that came up I had to ask you about is the five metrics used for tracking your sales team. Everybody's wondering, how do I measure my sales team success and who's really doing great work or just clicking the right buttons on the CRM? What are your thoughts there? That's a great question. And first of all, just like I just said, I really think every business has to answer that question for themselves. In a lot of industries, there are tools that are already built for that industry. And I just feel like it's such a mistake to even give a business owner the impression that they can just kind of unwrap this thing out of the box and go, presto, we're in business, we're doing this. Because the things they need to measure are not exactly what their competitors need to measure. But that all said, at a fundamental level with different twists and flavors, every business needs to be doing what's necessary to measure the quality of the relationship. That's the key with salespeople. If that didn't matter, we wouldn't need the salespeople. We can go to Google and a million other places to get people on our website or to get the phone to ring. But what salespeople do that nothing can replace is they build actual relationships with actual people. And so we've got to measure the quality of that relationship. And so that can be measured in some relatively straightforward ways It can be things like just length of time. If you're on the phone a lot, if you're doing everything over the phone, then you probably just want to keep track of how much time did this conversation last or how much total time have we spent with this prospect on the phone this month or something like that. If you're meeting with them, same thing. And then you want to have a sales qualification profile. In every business, there's five to 10 questions that you've got to ask a prospect to really know if they're a qualified prospect. The obvious things, you know, budget, decision maker, things like that. But then there's other things that are unique to each and every business, you know. So who's the entrenched competitor currently that you'd be displacing? Sometimes that's really important. So you want to create a customer profile sheet in the CRM. So the salesperson, while they're talking to the customer, can capture the answers to those questions. And that way, at a management level, you can analyze that because that's really powerful information. It really helps you, number one, qualify your pipeline. If a guy's got a half million dollar deal in the pipeline set to close this month, but he doesn't have the answers to those questions, then you know it's not for real. If you've got a guy that's generating a lot of leads, having a lot of meetings, but he's not getting that information from his customers, then you know you've got sort of a coaching issue that you've got to deal with there. You know, so that's a really powerful metric. And then I think the other thing that's important, especially if you're doing digital marketing and you've got inbound leads coming through your website or calls coming in, then it's time of response. You've got to measure that. 
that makes all the difference in the world. There's lots of studies out there, but just at a high level, when somebody fills out a form on your website requesting information or signing up for your free trial or whatever, if you call them in the first 15 minutes, your odds of success are like over 80%. But if you wait 30 minutes, they're less than 10%. So time matters big time. And you've got to measure that because it's tough to motivate salespeople to maintain that kind of quick response. Some great advice and advice I think that anybody can implement very quickly. We appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, Craig, thank you so much for joining us on Business Owners Radio today. Well, thank you for having me. It's really been a lot of fun. I really love the show and just really appreciate the opportunity. And we appreciate you. And is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, you know, recently we released what we call the Four Steps to Market Domination. And it's really just a short little guide that you can download on our website that walks you through how to get all of this that we've been talking about right. How to create that customer profile sheet in your CRM and how to write lead nurturing emails that are really going to work the way we've been talking about and get results. There's some simple worksheets in there that make it pretty simple. And like I say, it's just a short little read. In fact, we created a page on our site for the show. So you can go to salesnexus.com slash B-O-R for business owners radio. And there's a link there to our four steps to market domination. You can download it there. Our guest today has been Craig Klein, founder and CEO of Sales Nexus, along with his focus as a writer and featured speaker at leading conferences. You can learn more about Craig, as well as find links to his website and download his guide on the four steps to market domination, all in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode, along with links and offers, in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show. And, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.